Welcome to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast. We are your hosts, Kitty and Alora. And in this exciting episode, we are entering the realm of the Fae, fairy origins, types of fairies, entering the fairy realm or Otherworld, and working with the Fae in your practice are on the altar for discussion today. So grab your cuppa and settle in. So how are you doing, Alora? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. So I'm wondering, have you had any visits from the spirit world lately? Spirit world, no. But I had one of the most awesome experiences of my life recently. I'm pretty sure that I got to remote view or astral travel to the birth of my new goddess baby. So that was pretty friggin' amazing. That's awesome. And what do you mean by new goddess baby? Well, you know, Christians have godmother, godfather, all that good stuff. And Mm -hmm. so in the world of witchcraft and paganism, we have goddess babies. So Oh, that's a new new one on me. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a new goddess baby and he's adorable. I'm so excited. Very cool. All right. So we're talking about the Fae today. So first, we should probably define what are fairies or the she and discuss like their origins and how present they are basically globally, um, if they exist in other cultures, etc. Yeah. So there's a lot of theories about the true nature of fairies. Some are a little out there. One of the ones that I feel is a little, it's a little out there, but I mean, it it could make sense. So there's one theory that was put forth that fairies were a very short, primitive race of human beings that lived in caves or in mountains. So while I think this is a possibility, since we've actually proven the existence of tiny human beings, and I don't remember the exact island that was on, but do you, re- do you remember that story? What was that? It's, um, I believe it's on Java. Okay. So that's definitely been proven, but I think that's something completely d- separate from the Fae. Right. I don't know if you would agree with that. I mean, I think the I Fae would. can resemble <laughs> the, the, the people that we found on that island that were, you know, a tiny race of human beings, but the Fae and I think you're going to agree with me, are a liminal type of being. They're, they're spiritual beings, but they can also manifest in the physical realm. Right. So they're not fully physical. They're more, I would say they're more on the spiritual side. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, that doesn't mean that, oh, how do I put this? Um, <laughs> that doesn't mean that fey beings cannot incarnate um, because they definitely can Um, but that being said I don't think I I do not think that 
the race of human beings that was found on that island um, are fae just because they're tiny. Um, I, I tend to believe that they were just part of evolution um, and a product of their environment because you have to remember when human beings evolved, right, they evolved according to their environment. So an island environment, a secluded environment is much different than say, you know, African environment or European environment where you've got large land masses and lots of different foods and um, animals to choose from to nourish yourself. So, right. yeah. So I, I, yeah, I don't think that, <laughs> that those tiny human beings were um, they at all. No. Okay. So cool. <laughs> The next theory, which uh, was pretty prominent in the dark ages, was that, and I think this was started by the church. I don't have any proof of that, but I'm pretty sure they started saying that the the good folk or the she were actually the souls of unbaptized babies, or alternatively, and probably intermingled, they were devils. So this doesn't make any sense to me because... Well, I grew up Catholic, and so I know from that, unbaptized babies go to purgatory. So I don't understand really where that came from. Like, I could see the church maybe, like, yeah, but that doesn't even really make sense, right? I mean, maybe the church felt differently in the Dark Ages than they do now. I don't know. Uh, maybe. I don't know, but I don't know. I was always told growing up that unbaptized babies automatically go to purgatory. Well, maybe or or lim limbo limbo. <laughs> I don't know who made that up. I did not make it up. We'll just put that out there. Yeah, but so, we're just going to put the kibosh on that one. So no, that's not <laughs> well, it either. <laughs> obviously not. So another theory that we probably feel is closer to the truth and intertwines is the Fae were potentially once gods and goddesses and they were slowly demoted over the centuries, so to speak. And speaking to this, we could talk about the Tuatha de Danan, if that's how you pronounce it. The people of Danu or the children of Danu. This was the otherworldly race of gods that lived under the hills and under the sea in Celtic mythology. And that was again, later on the same place where the she were known to dwell. That's more believable than unbaptized babies or... Oh, for sure. Or tiny humans. <laughs> tiny humans, yes. So, and it, we'll get more into the, the Tuatha and all that a little bit later. But, yeah. Well, we're just going to say they're liminal beings. They're not quite here, but they're not quite there either. They can kind of travel between planes of existence with ease. Yes, agreed. Cool. I'm right with you. All right, so how about you tell me about any personal experiences you might have had with the Fae as a child or even as an adult. Okay. Hold that thought for a second. Cause I just want to add something to where we're defining Fae and talking about worldwide presence. So there, so they predominantly exist in Celtic and um, Celtic lore, but pretty much every culture has their own, um, definition and words for the Fae. So in Eastern 
uh, culture, like in Japan, the word for like fairy being is yosei, I think. I don't know if I said that right. <laughs> and I know like African culture has their own version of the fae. So they may be called something different, but they are, they permeate, I guess, yes. cultures uh, across the world. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Norse has their own versions. Native yep. American tribes have their own versions. So yeah, they were definitely worldwide. Yes. Okay. Personal experiences. Um. So I've had personal experiences with fairies. I don't, I don't know as a child that I had a heap. I actually, and I don't know if I just had a wild imagination, which I don't think that's the case. Um, or if I, or if they were fae or if they were, um, spirits, <laughs> but I definitely had several imaginary friends. Um, mm -hmm. but, but I could see them, I could play with them they talked to me. <laughs> so, hmm. um, as an adult, um, yeah, I've had quite a few experiences with the Fae, um, especially going through the forest, um, things like that, leaving offerings, um, that kind of thing. But I don't have one that like stands out. Well, I think, the imaginary friend thing is one that a lot of people can relate to and would stand out to people that have had imaginary friends. Yeah. Because I mean, I don't, so well, I don't know about other people, but like I said, when I was a kid, my imaginary friends were like real. Like I could see them. I could talk to them. They had names. They played with me. Mm. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. We could do a whole podcast on imaginary friends and what they probably actually are. <laughs> yeah, we probably could. So. All right. What about you? I've had quite a few. And it, it's funny that when we did our dreams podcast and we were talking about the wild, I love that acronym now, awake <laughs> into lucid dreaming. I have had a lot of most of my experiences, I think, with the Fae have been on the astral plane or, you know, during dream time, right at that, the when I'm waking up, basically at dawn, like the dawn, the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> right. So I talked about this already, but there was the one time where I woke up and someone was tapping my hip and I looked over and it looked like a little like Scottish brownie and he <laughs> ran away and it it was like I was awake, you know, so right. there was that. That was a more recent, but when I was young, there was this one, I called him like a green troll that would wake me up in the middle of the night by tickling my feet really hard. And I would wake up and my feet would actually be like hurting. Mm. And uh, I, I don't know. I've had a lot of experiences mostly that way, but I did live in an old house with a grapefruit tree that I swore I saw a small man scurry up the trunk one evening when I was out there <laughs> as the sun was going down. I know it sounds crazy, but I swore I saw it. I was like, what? Yeah. And oh I think that there was Faye in that yard. It just had that 
otherworldly feeling. There was oak trees. There was this big grapefruit tree. It just had that kind of appeal to it. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> Those are the ones <laughs> that right. stand out in my mind. Well, so I kind of touched on this a little bit ago about Faye um, incarnating into a human body. Yes, but go into detail now, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so in soul origin profiling, there is a realm called elementals. Um, elementals are fairies and fairies are elementals. Uh, much of the fairy realm is included in that or all of it is. Um, the fairy realm is quite interesting because it includes all types of fae uh, from all over the world. So sylphs to elves, gnomes, etc. cetera. Uh, there are elementals that aren't necessarily fae like Pegasus and dragons, mm -hmm. um, but fae make up a large portion of the elemental realm. So one of the most interesting things that I've noticed is that people with fairy heritage are typically either anemic or borderline anemic due to lack of iron. So you can be anemic for all different kinds of reasons, but specifically if you are anemic due to lack of iron, uh, most often those people have fey heritage um, because it's not. So when we're testing for soul origin um, things or positive markers, it's not just one thing that says, okay, this is definitely, this makes you that. No, it's a, um, it's a lot of things all right. together. Right. right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but this is one of the indicators that I find to be true most often um, in elementals, um, which is fascinating because <laughs> the Fae don't like iron, right? right. So iron is to, Fae as garlic is to vampires and legend. So it's a serious deterrent. It's an irritant. So it stands to reason that people with connections to Fae heritage would lack iron in their blood. Um, and those that have Fae heritage find that they have a more natural ability and easier rapport with the Fae when they initially contact the Fae. So they find it easier to get invited to and travel to the fairy realm or other world. Um, and typically most people with fairy heritage usually have a fae guide of one sort or another. Okay. Can I okay. stop you there? I have a question. <laughs> yeah, go. <laughs> so how about for a person like me who I am not an elemental and soul origin in this right. life. However, I've had experiences with them since I was a kid and I didn't, really ask for them to come to me. <laughs> and I've always felt like it was been, it's been very easy for me to cross that line between here and the other world. So. Yeah. So another thing too, is do you have, I mean, I'm, I'm asking you this live. So <laughs> do, do you have a parent that you feel yes. could possibly test? <laughs> For okay. So yeah, for that's sure. another thing. When people with faith heritage have children, it can also be easily accessible for their children because it doesn't matter what realm we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Beings are protective of 
children, right? Yeah. And so That's you're going to find that the children of elementals can also easily connect much, much more readily than somebody who wouldn't be a child of an elemental, right? Does that make sense? Yes. And to further this, what about, because I wish we had to discuss this on the ancestor podcast too, but <laughs> what about people who descend or their ancestors claim to descend from like a fairy queen or a fairy goddess like myself? <laughs> right. So does that play into it? You think at all? Maybe. So my answer is yes, but the more complicated answer would be, it's not as easy as it gets watered down through generations. Does that make sense? So for instance, like the immediate person who descends from that being, they would have easy access, right? Right. And then the more people that are born, like the more generations, it, it takes longer and longer to reach that being. I hope I'm making sense. Yeah, sure. Like, uh, how can I explain this? It's like, it's like the game of telephone. If you ever played that as a kid, right? So the more people down the line that you, so telephone is a game where you tell a secret and then you go through like 20 or 30 people and you see if the secret is the same once it gets to the 30th person. So it's kind of the same concept as telephone. So the more the more people that exist, the more distorted the connection can become, um, the more difficult it would be for the deity to reach the last person in line. Um, so they would still be able to reach them, but it wouldn't come as quickly. It wouldn't come as easy. Hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I don't so know. Like, <laughs> Well, like, let's put it this way, right? So I'm going to use a right now real world example for you. So you're connecting with this ancestral goddess, right? Right. And you've been having these visions in your dreams about this big wave. And you recently connected that to this particular goddess. Right. So, and you are in your thirties. Right. 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 So it's only now that you've been able to connect these dots. So it's taken you longer than probably the people before you. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I think it has something to do with being able to connect though, like individually as a person. Cause I, I'm sure my, my like grandmother wouldn't have been able to, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's just something to, that I would like to meander on a little bit more at some point, but we, we need to move on. So, (laughs) (laughs) so a big question that is asked a lot when it comes to fairies and one that was asked of our listeners is are fairies safe to work with? I think one person even said, you know, they were kind of fearful of starting a fairy garden and would there be anything to fear with that? So you and I are both in agreement. I think when we say it's the fairy realm, 
goes, they have their own set of rules. They don't go by human rules. Right. So what we think might be good or bad or beneficial or not is not probably even language in their set of rules, we'll say. So it's really about perspective, I think, but it's also largely about discernment and it's about building relationship and getting to know these energies before taking the plunge or what have you. (laughs) Taking the plunge. Yeah. Well, definitely like my biggest piece of advice is uh, you need to go through the proper channels. You can't just barge in and be like, I'm right. coming in. <laughs> like, yeah. no, 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 no. That's not how that works. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. And it's definitely all about relationships and cultivating those. And um, yeah. So along the same train of thought, a big, I think, misconception, and it's something that kind of circulates online. I've seen it a lot online that fairies are all love and light and they are all, you know, there for our benefits, our healing benefit and, and whatnot. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a nice notion, but it's pretty naive to think of the fairy realm in that way. I think. Yeah. That's, that's a big negative ghost rider patterns full. <laughs> that's right. Like, that's not how it works. Right. There's, we've talked about polarity. There's polarity in everything. And that includes in the fairy realm. There's dark right. and light, day and night, etc. So, and again, they're, they're kind of neither here nor there. They're liminal. I think that that also applies to whether we, what is the word that I'm looking for? Being neither here nor there could also apply to being neither benevolent nor malevolent or both or you know what I'm saying does that make sense well it's no different than dance in between right yeah well it's no different than deity right because every deity I don't care who that they they are they're not you know all happy-go-lucky and no darkness they all have they all have both and they all have the ability to be both and create both (laughs) very true Yeah. So, um, what would you say if, if you heard that fairies are tiny winged creatures like Tinkerbell and (laughs) the way Hollywood has depicted fairies? I mean, some of them are, but that is a very small portion of the whole, you know, land of the fae. (laughs) We'll say the whole category, the whole realm. There's so many different kinds of fae and a lot of them are able to to shift forms readily right change so that is, anyone <laughs> right so that is a i mean the 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 pixie or sprite kind of image of a fairy is it's fun and you know women dress up in it to be sexy for halloween and all but it's it's also another i think not misconception but it's overgeneralization maybe i don't know right yeah i agree with that overgeneralization <laughs> so 
let's talk about where fairies can be found both in nature um, and other places. Okay. Well, I think mostly to find them in their natural, where they manifest the most easily would be in the most wild of places. Right. Forests, oceans, meadows, rivers, mountains, creeks, that kind of thing. Also, we're, we're going to bring this up again, but fairy rings, if you've seen a, a circle of mushrooms growing, there's also, they also make like a dark green pattern in the grass. Just any kind of ring really can be a, a fairy ring. And it's said that's where they dance. So you could find them there. They, oh, the gnomes, they live in the roots of ancient trees. There's dryads that live high in the tree boughs, et cetera, et cetera. Am I missing anything big here? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, I, for me, I don't know why this is, but it may have something to do with my fae heritage. Uh, that's what I'm going to assume, but I see them most in the forest. Like that's where uh, they come alive, I guess. <laughs> like that's where I can feel the energy. That's where I can see the portals. Um, and I've seen a lot of portals that are giant trees with like massive doorways, or I'll just come apart upon a part of the forest that has a different energy about it. Right. So you, it's hard to explain. Um, but there are parts in nature, whether, um, because for, you know, our listeners out there, it may be different for you. Like you could connect with them more at the ocean or the beach. Right. But there's just, a different energy when the fae are present, whether it's in the forest or at the ocean or whatever, like you could walk the entire beach and then all of a sudden you come across like a portion of the beach that feels different and it's hard to put into words. <laughs> hmm. Yes, I agree. In addition to finding them in wild places, I think that the old castles and manors in Scotland and Ireland are also known to, to have brownies and red caps and fey of that nature. They've been attached to those old homes or that those old families for centuries and then they just hang around as well. Right. Okay. Yeah and well I was actually gonna just throw in there too like especially brownies they definitely get attached to place like yeah. they don't leave <laughs> so once they're attached to a dwelling they will be there for a very 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 long time yeah i also have a theory though i think that some of them have traveled across across the ocean with their families like when they migrated here the Scottish families I feel like some of them may have come across at that time too because I know well I know that the banshees specifically are attached to the old Irish families and when they move the banshees follow them 
Does that make sense? Well, yeah. I just think sometimes the fae could, if they're attached to a certain family and it's been for centuries that they've always followed this family, that potentially it could follow the immigrants elsewhere. Well, no, like I agree with you, but we're also talking about different types of fae, right? So brownies in particular attached to place, but there are other types of fae that I definitely think attach to heritage lines, bloodlines, families, whatever you want to say. Yes. So now we get to talk about <laughs> types of benevolent fairies that are mostly safe to work with. So who are the good fairies? <laughs> I hate this question. <laughs> oh, well, just calm your little fairy <laughs> pants. Okay. Relax lady. So <laughs> Mostly benevolent fairies, I believe, and I'll, and I'll preface with some things when we get into it, but a lot of the fairies that are mostly safe are the ones that, that are household spirits, we'll say. So your house elves like brownies, the Bantee, which is from Ireland. She's like a Scottish brownie, but Irish version, and it's a female. There's the Domovoy, which is a Russian type of household hearth spirit. The Boo Box and the Monticello, which is a wine cellar fairy in Italy. I will say, though, that there's also legends about the brownie. If you piss him off, for lack of better words, he could potentially turn into what's called a bogart. Right. And he, and at that point, and I'll get more into it later, but anyway, he, it's just not good. So you, we're saying that these fairies are mostly safe to work with, but you don't want to piss them off. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to tread lightly, right? It's just what we've been saying about building relationship and discernment and everything. So in addition, there's the chi spirits of Chinese origin. Chloricons as well. They're similar to leprechauns, but they guard your wine cellar, kind of like the Monticello. And then, you know, sometimes elves. <laughs> Gnomes are mostly good. It just depends. Um. Just quickly, this has brought up in my brain, Monticello. Like, I wonder if Monticello was named after this fairy. <laughs> I, I actually, I, it's funny. I thought that the other day when I was typing it out. I, in my head, I was reading it as Monticello, you know? I don't know why. Right. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good question. I wonder if I could look up Thomas Jefferson's uh, ancestry. See if he goes, yeah. see if he's Italian. I wonder. It's a pretty cool legend about the Monticello, too. It's the fairy will get drunk and have a good old time. But anyway. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Um, like I said before, I really don't love this question because I just, fae can be both. Like it just depends on your relationship with them and if you've pissed them off. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but there's some that are more like you don't want to ever go near as opposed to true ones that you would more readily work with, right? Yeah, true. I mean, I think I think the main rule of thumb is if they like to kill, stay away. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. That's a good all right, so so fairy gods and goddesses. Woohoo! We love this question. Of course. All right, so let's talk fairy gods and goddesses to work with as a practitioner. 
You go. And go. <laughs> and go. <laughs> okay. So there's a bunch. The first one I'm going to say is Cleana because I'm working with her and she's my ancestral goddess. I have to say her. The Morgan, Morgan Le Fay, Rhiannon. Mm. You want to do a little shout out there? <laughs> woo, woo. She's mine. <laughs> the Green Man, Fleish, Queen Maeve, Frere, if I'm saying that right. And basically all the Tuatha. Right. So it's Danu, Dagda, Breed, Lou, Anya, etc. Luna, Nuada. <laughs> There's a bunch mm. I'm learning about lately too. So in addition, they're the nymphs of the Greek pantheon and uh, also including Circe, Pan, and Dionysus. Mm. Yeah, which they can be just as, you know, neither here nor there when it comes to being benevolent or malevolent, just like any of the Fae, really. So that really just supports our whole podcast. Right, <laughs> right. Yes, I agree. So it's funny looking at this list. I have worked with one. Well, I have personally worked with in my personal practice, three of these, three of these uh, deities and they are all different. It's, it's amazing. For me, two. <laughs> mm. Wait. And well, I would say like, yeah, two. No, three. Lou. I almost missed mm, him. That's true. I, I would probably say him is like Faye necessarily, but sorry to mute that y'all. Oh, no. <laughs> You're fine. No, I was just going to say, and I would say of the three of them, Anya was probably the calmest energy of the three, I oh, think. Interesting. Um, yeah, but also you have to remember, I guess, is that I was at the very beginning of my practice at that time. So that may have been why um, she kept her energy just kind of steady and didn't, you know, <laughs> it wasn't too hard on me. I would say that my experience with the first goddess that I ever worked with was Rhiannon, and it was very much the same kind of energy. Mm. I want to, yeah. So there's probably something in that, mm -hmm. I think. I agree. Like they're taking it easy on us because we're babies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. And nowadays it's like, mm -mm, you already know how this works. Exactly. Act right. <laughs> exactly. So what about, can you speak to any types of, and I know you don't like saying benevolent or malevolent fae, but there are some that people should be aware of that you might not want to go and seek out, right? Right. So probably, like I said before, anything that is a harbinger of death or lures people to their death or encourages death is probably ones you want to stay away from, right? So yeah. in saying that, uh, I'd probably say at the top of my list is banshees. So they are harbingers of death. Not all of them are terrible, um, but the origins of the banshee come from women who would keen or sing mournful songs upon a person's death or to, um, yeah, upon a person's death. And then in some folklore, the banshee are depicted as the ghosts of 
young girls who suffered brutal deaths and their spirits remain to warn family members that a violent death is imminent, like it's coming. Um, It is said that banshees appear as old women with rotten teeth and long fingernails, wearing rags and has bloody, bloody red eyes that are filled with hate that look directly uh, that if you look directly into them will cause immediate death. But the main point is, is that some legends say that there are malevolent banshees that enjoy killing. Okay. So I would say that's what I'm warning about, I guess. I guess. Like, stay, because I feel like if you're not experienced, like, you, sh- you just shouldn't test the waters right you don't want to poke the banshee right but also (laughs) i would say there are several other types of fae similar like sirens and selkies um who lure men or people to their death usually men um so yeah like i said anything you know just rule of thumb anything it's and to your point about the fae though there's but there's also to the contrast of that good stories about selkies that save men or that marry men and have babies with them and it's a beautiful life so look you you asked me the question i had to come up with an answer well no (laughs) i'm not arguing with you i'm actually supporting your what you were saying earlier you don't like saying that a fairy is you know good or safe to work with while there's others that aren't because they can like you said they can all be one or the other at any given time right 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 so i think i think you're just proving your point to me you just don't realize it <laughs> no no i totally agree with you but i guess so the so this is about types of malevolent fairies to be aware of so i would say that these particular ones can be malevolent right just as they can be benevolent but I guess for the inexperienced or someone who hasn't, you know, worked with the Fae before, like these ones probably avoid, you know what I mean? Okay. Like understood. Yes. I just was telling you that I agree with you from <laughs> earlier. So there's one for sure that you want to avoid any, any of the ones that are known to just eat humans. You probably just want to completely stay away from those. <laughs> oh yeah. That too. See, and you, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. well there's this there's these giant italian fae that live in the clouds that are called oculi there are no go ahead (laughs) it sounds what devious it does there's no good legends about them at all it's only bad so maybe Hmm. everyone needs to do the research for sure before you (laughs) where you tap into this realm okay Okay, so going forward, how do you protect yourself from malevolent fairies? So these guys that you might not want to work with, how would you protect yourself? So you can protect yourself by wearing or carrying a piece of iron. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. I knew you were going to. Go ahead. Um, so I am not sure that I necessarily agree with this because like, although it is a deterrent, 
I've also seen instances where the presence of iron has just pissed them off (laughs) and has um, encouraged them to be a nuisance or malevolent towards you. Okay. (laughs) What about, though, the old troll crosses of Scandinavian origin that are made of iron and are supposed to ward off trickster spirits? I don't know nothing about that. Okay. (laughs) I haven't researched it. I have no idea. You can always try that out. A lot of people wear those. Um, Also, ashes from your fire pit or your chimney or herb bundles can be put in little bags and hung in the windows or doors. Ashes are actually a traditional Irish method of protection against the, I don't want to say bad fay, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Well, I endorse that one. Keep okay. going. <laughs> Leave your besom by your hearth. Also, smoke cleansings will get rid of unwanted fay in your house. They're supposed to, they like, a lot of them like fire, but they don't like an excess amount of smoke. So mirrors in the entrance of your home, by windows, and by your bed. Okay. So this one, can you explain a little bit more about it? Because we know we collectively, as in witches um, and magical practitioners, know that mirrors can be portals to the other world. So do you know the uh, mechanics behind why? So at a very basic level, it's just supposed to reflect negativity away from you if it's pointing towards you. However, this is a major debate. Every time I've ever mentioned that I have mirrors in my bedroom that face my bed, people freak the F out about it, like online. (gasps) Mirrors, like there's a lot of people that have major phobias about mirrors. And I definitely agree that mirrors are absolutely a portal. And the, the key here is that you're not bringing a random mirror into your house and hanging it in your bedroom for the purposes of protection if you're not actually cleansing and charging it for that reason. Right. Okay. I have a big armoire in my bedroom that has been passed down through my family for almost 200 years and it has huge mirrors in it. And mm. I feel for me, I feel like my ancestors are actually kind of watching over me through it and it's a very protective feeling but that's obviously not going to be with every single person right but there has to be an intention there like I said you're not going to go pick up a mirror from an antique store and hang it up by your bed and think that you're reflecting negative energy or fey it's just not going to work like that you have to charge it how you want it how you want to use it right you have to tell it what to do yeah. But like I said, that's, it's a debate. We could probably, we could probably have a whole podcast about mirrors because <laughs> I'm telling you, I've seen like knockdown drag out fights about whether mirrors are good in the bedroom, whether they're not, how, you, you know, how they can be portals and how they could do good. Anyway, we might need to write that down as a potential episode. <laughs> Got it. Continue. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> A bundle of oak, ash, and thorn twigs tied together with white, black, and red thread and carried on you. That's also, I believe, a traditional Irish method of protection. Also, turning your clothes inside out is supposed to confuse the fae 
or disguise you while you're near the fairy realm. So that was usually done if you were going out traveling on one of the Sabbaths where the Fae were most active. So Midsummer or Beltane or what have you. Hmm. That's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And then also garlic and rue are great warding herbs in general. They're also supposed to ward off negative Fae as well, or, you know, tricks by the Fae realm. And especially vampire fairies. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you never know. Uh, We suck blood. Just kidding. (laughs) Maybe the vampires are a type of fae. We just don't know it. Ooh. (laughs) Theory. (laughs) Right. All right. So let's talk about how to connect to the fairies and fairy realm and how to start working with the fairy world like how do we attract them how do we contact them etc i think the first easiest way is through lucid dreaming astral travel dream work at least that's been the easiest way for me i think also too guided meditations are really helpful Mm, and anytime you can go out into a, a quiet place in nature and be able to shift your consciousness, you know, just tuning into the environment, soften your gaze, listen, smell, feel, use your senses. And sometimes you'll be able to catch a glimpse of them as well. Right. I also would add to that hanging a prism, crystal, sun catcher, um, any of those in your window. Um, kind of, it's kind of like a I don't know, a signal beacon. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Like a beacon. Yeah. Like, hi, I need your help. Come. (laughs) I like that. Um, I've done this and I've gotten pretty immediate results, like within 12 hours, (laughs) Um, I've had interactions. Um, and I contact them most in meditation to petition for their aid. Um, but I will say that working with them always comes with a price. Yeah. Whether, and that doesn't mean, look, that's not to be foreboding or anything like that. It just means like, it's, it's not free. Like you're going to have to do offerings. You're going to have to do something. Right. And they'll let, and they'll let you know what it is. I agree. All right. What about gardening? Ain't nothing free, honey. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So to attract the flower or garden type of fae, you can start a garden that supports nature, specifically growing plants and trees that are helpful for pollinators as well as birds. That is one way to easily attract them. Also growing plants and trees that are sacred to them, including elder, apple, hawthorn, foxglove, primrose, cowslip, thyme, oak. There was some herbs in there. Did I say plants? Anyway, there's a lot more. You you have to do your research, but you can also add fairy houses or furniture to the garden. There's actually kits you can buy online or you can make your own from like natural resources. I've seen people do that. I'm not that handy or like creative with my hands, but (laughs) you can do that. Go for it. I found seashells make really great offering bowls and cups for fairy gardens. They also really love sparkly, shiny things like Laura just mentioned, stones or sun catchers, high-pitched twinkling chimes. I found that they don't like the really low-tone, baritone kind of chimes. 
It's more right. like the ding, 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 you know, the little, <laughs> that's more their style. And then also, and what we've already mentioned, giving them offerings. Traditional offerings are mead, cakes and sweets, cream, ale, and milk. And I definitely don't like bells. <laughs> bells. <laughs> Especially like if you have like a dinner bell. Oh my God. Don't, don't leave that out. Oh man. My grandmother used to have one of those dinner bells and she used to let me oh. ring it as a kid. I freaking loved it. Ugh. <laughs> Okay, so in addition, teas, right? Right. I don't know about you, but I feel like teas have that ability to put me in the right state of mind so I can easily slip into dream time and maybe slip into the other world through dreams. Well, or yeah. If before you were, meditation. If you, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, because if you use the right herbs, you're, you're switching your brainwave state essentially true i'll say though that i i feel like just the relaxation of it is able to to do it for me even right right but that's what i'm saying like that relaxation allows you to change like the wavelength of your thoughts oh i got you i thought you were specifically referring to like mugwort or something no 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 like valerian will do it Skullcap will do it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really need any Passion of that. flower. Yeah. Right. Right. So, and also too, I think with, if you're going to use teas to open yourself up or to put you in that otherworldly state of mind, you might also want to offer a bit of the tea to any of the fae that you're working with or fae god or goddess that you're working with as well. Hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And then they love music, right? And actually... Not bells. Not bells. <laughs> um, but music as far as like, uh, like for instance, Rhiannon, one of the main things you can do for offering to her is to sing. So they love song. They love, you know, all that stuff. Yes. But not bells. Not no bells. bells. Flutes, harps. <laughs> Singing, no bells. <laughs> no cowbell. No cowbell. We, we do not need more cowbell. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no. In addition, you could wear the color green. You could eat the color green. Green is the favorite color of the fae. It was actually once considered unlucky to wear it because it was thought that you would attract the fae and they would take you off. <laughs> but but now you know wear it all the time <laughs> well maybe if i you know dress head to toe makeup and all green they'll take me into the other world and i can live in a world i i want to live in <laughs> <laughs> exactly ah just kidding <laughs> i feel you on that one sometimes I, I, you don't have to kid it's okay uh, well just sometimes i think this world's going crazy and I'm like, oh, God, make it stop. Yeah. Yeah. So Melissa asks, how do you know what kind of fairy is around? And I think we're going to actually edit this and not only answer what kind of fairy is around, but just like general signs for when fairies are around. Yes. So, so what do you think? 
The first thing is if you're hearing light, far off music, that has always been a big sign to me. Mm. It's always like harps or flutes, never bells. Right, <laughs> right. Never bells, no. They also like to play tricks on you sometimes, or they like to borrow small items, crystals, jewelry, keys, sparkly things, as we've been saying. Keys, definitely keys. Uh-huh. I think dreaming of the Fae and going to the other world is a clear sign that they're near, obviously, be it on the physical or astral plane. And right. in addition to sometimes your off offerings, if left outside, might even physically be consumed and you'll be left with an empty bowl or cup the next day. Now, that has only happened to me once, but it was pretty, pretty awesome. That is what happens to me most often. Like if they're present or around like that's I think that's one of my biggest signs is that the offering will be gone whether it's indoors or outdoors I have not given no I haven't done offerings for Faye indoors in a very long time but I will say that some of the offerings I give to deity the beverages specifically seem to be drunk <laughs> like drunk. yeah because I'm like, yeah. there's no way that much evaporated within, you know, a 12 hour period. But anyway. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Do you have anything to add to that? Am I missing anything? I would also say seeing fairy rings oh, yeah. um, in the yard, particularly yes. if you have left an offering. So if you've left an offering in like a blank spot in the yard and then you go out to collect the bowl if you've left a bowl or whatever and there's a circle of mushrooms <laughs> that's pretty that's a pretty clear sign i think yeah no doubt um i would be pumped about that if i saw that and i think those are all good signs right if, if you're getting these signs then you're probably dealing with say that you want to work with in some facet right Exactly. So as far as like kind of fairy, I would say the dwelling or venue, um, which you're in or at is a good way to narrow which kinds of fae might be around you. Right. So mm -hmm. if you're outside, um, in your garden, you could be dealing with flower fae or dryads or elves, um, gnomes. Well, not just the garden, but outdoors. Yes. Um, if you're in the house, you could be dealing with a brownie. So you guys get the idea. Yeah. Uh, and also if you've had a soul origin profile and you've got possible fae heritage, the type of elemental family you come from, right? So let's say it's been narrowed down to sylphs or whatever. Um, you could be connecting to that specific family of fae beings yeah or um yeah so you essentially you would fall under their like protection um so that might also be a clue as to which kind of beings you naturally attract to you yeah does that make sense. sense yeah absolutely yeah and just but before before we end this I want to go back really quick to um, the what I said about soul origins and heritage and all that stuff. Um, the one thing I guess that I wanted to add to that 
is you said you can't see your grandmother connecting, but I want to make it clear that you, the further down in the generations, the more, the, the longer it takes. Right. But that's only for people who want to connect, right. Who can connect. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if your grandmother was completely off the idea, um, she would have never connected the dots. Right. Right. So I think that's the difference. It's not automatic because people are people, right? We have human bodies and personalities and, you know, all of those things and our environment affects um, the way that we feel and think and so forth and so on. So even if your grandmother had had signs and whatnot, if she wasn't switched on to, you know, possible fae heritage, she would have seen it as something different. Yeah. But if she was someone who wanted to connect, she probably would have caught on a lot quicker. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. I just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> I got you. And I, and I think we're going to wrap it up. What do you think? Yes. All right. Well, check out our fairy articles on otherworldlyoracle.com. Just select the spirits tab in the menu bar and then click fairies. We welcome you to join our high-vibing Facebook group and visit my website at alorain.com. Shout out to all of our oracles for joining us, whether you're new or returning. Subscribe or favorite our podcast to be notified of future episodes. Help your magical sisters out and be sure to share our podcast and give us a review too. And remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.